welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. In this episode, Chris talks with Jason Paris, owner of Paris Painting in LF Holdings, about how he has systemized multiple businesses to over $10 million. This episode is sponsored by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business and also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's episode, we've got Jason Paris with us here. Jason's the chair of the PCA board, the owner of Paris Painting, and just an all-around really intelligent guy. And so we're going to talk through a little bit about how he views data and the bigger picture of owning a painting company. Jason, welcome great, to the show. That was a great intro. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I feel like there's nothing I can say to really do you justice. So um, it was the best I could come up with. So A plus. Thanks for agreeing to be here and do this. Thanks for yeah. flying in all the way from Minnesota just to do this. It's a big flight. Yeah, yeah big commitment. It makes me feel like a big deal, <laughs> even though it just happened to work out you were here. Yeah, so yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself for those that may not know you. Yeah. So you did a good introduction. My name is Jason. I am married. Been married for 10 years Congrats. to my beautiful wife, Amy. Aww. Amy deserves a lot of credit, I feel like. A lot like. of credit. Yep. 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 That's good. We have four kids. Okay. Aged eight, six, four, and two. Perfectly spread out. I girl like that. Boy, girl boy. Oh. Um, it's very OCD of you. I like this. <laughs> yeah. uh, so in our family, four of us are born in April. Really? Uh, two of my kids on the same day. That, no way. So we are a little. April what? 27th. Okay. That's regimented. awesome. That's awesome. Um, I like to do endurance events. Yeah. So I've gotten into ultra endurance scene over the past year. Yeah. So last year I did an Ironman, just completed a 50 mile trail run. That's probably so cool. training for a hundred mile trail run. That's, so that's awesome. a big part of my like hobby life right yeah. now. Um, and then involved in the PCA. Yeah. So like volunteer. Just a little bit. Yep. Just a little, just eats <laughs> up a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then own a painting company, Paris yeah. Painting, okay. and a few other trades based companies as well. Awesome. Very cool. So how long have you had Paris Painting? So I started. Paris Services LLC in okay. 2012, All right. and we were staining decks and straightening out air conditioner fins that got hit by hail because insurance companies would pay for someone to come and straighten them out to That's get better crazy. better airflow. Yeah. So it was just Paris Services. It was like the Minneapolis landscape with yeah. the Eiffel Tower coming out. Oh, that's out. cool. And, uh, I then, see what you did there with that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So 2014, I quit my job and did it full-time. It was kind okay. of like a side gig okay. previously, and then went full-time, Paris Painting, printed out some business cards and proposals and yeah. just started knocking on doors and the rest is history. That's awesome. That's yeah. super cool. Um, I, knowing where you guys are at now, I'd never would have expected that that all happened within eight years. So that's yeah. super cool to see what you guys have built in that, in yeah. that amount of time. So, yeah. um, so I know you came from a college painting background as well. Yep. Um, so how did that kind of prepare you for what you started doing with Paris services, Paris painting, yeah. and how has that evolved into what you're doing now? So it was really fun because it was during my studies. Uh, I have an econ degree okay. and it was kind of like real life application to what I was studying yeah. in school. And so you learn about the theory of something and then, you know, apply it right away and right. typically apply it on a spreadsheet or on a whiteboard or in concept and then get to go through the practical 
um, fleshing that out in yep. action. So that was a really cool way to do it. And then, you know, from the very bat, I was focused on uh, running it like a business yeah. and not like a job. So I could go and get jobs. I'm very able to show up and, and breathe. <laughs> And, and communicate uh, <laughs> and just exist <laughs> right and uh trade time for cash yep. right do that do that game but the concept of running a business where you are rewarded for the um the output the efficiency of the company was a concept that i was embedded in been embedded with from the, the the ground floor yeah right so that concept of you know not trying to trade time uh for money but creating value um, yep. was a foundation piece because I started it in school. That's awesome. So were you with, was it college? It was college pro. College pro. College pro painters. Okay. And so they don't, ex- they don't operate in the U S anymore. They're just Canada based. They have a Canada window cleaning yep. portion. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, no, that's really cool. I mean, it, it's, it's really fun for me. I know a lot of listeners know I came from the student painter side yep. of the college painting background and it's really cool to see like what those programs have propelled people to go on and do. It is. So, College Pro, it always marketed itself as an entrepreneurial training ground. Yeah. And that's why they got such great people. Yep. And they did it through the vehicle of painting. Exactly. Being that it was a low barrier to entry and relatively low risk yeah. endeavor to take yep. on as well. But it is like bizarre when you look across the landscape oh, yeah. of specifically North America, yeah. how many uh, coaching groups yeah. and then how many of the top performers in each market and painting come from Came those. Came from that. Yep. And, and that's... The sad part is those are going away yeah. right, for the most part. I mean, some of them are gone and some of them are steeply declining because yep. millennials don't work hard. We right. know that. Right, right. Then, Things uh, have changed a little bit. But also I think the advent of social media and, and a lot of different things have really made that a tougher tougher yeah. model to recruit in. Which I hate to see that, right? Because, I mean, again, I, I know the experience I got from it. There's nowhere, yeah. no way I would be where we're at here changed today. Changed my life. Yeah. You know, same for you, same for I could count, sit here and count, you know, numerous other people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I owe so much to that program, right? Like you said, it's an entrepreneurial training ground. The same thing, you know, we used painting as the vehicle to get there. Right. So, um, it it is unfortunate, but I I know some of them are still going strong and they, you know, able to adapt and they've changed the way they recruit that gap. Yeah, exactly. It's sad. It's like, Oh, bummer. That was really cool. But, um, something will fill that gap. And I think that's what a lot of coaching companies step in and fill that gap. Right. There's a big part of that. And then the PCA certainly wants to be, you know, a support vehicle. Oh, as well. absolutely, absolutely, that's awesome. So, if you had to identify one or two things that's helped you scale Paris painting to where it's at now, mm-hmm. um, what would that be? Yeah, they're both somewhat similar, okay. but I would say number one, this is why I tell everybody is um, my ability to step out of the way. And so, typically, you know, you have someone has to be the founder of a company, right? And they have to be that that engine and that starting block to get it off the ground, and that requires a very novel set of skills that um, America, you'd say capitalism re- rewards quite well because it's, it's a very novel skill set. Right. right. To be entrepreneurial, to take the risk, to have, you have to have a really good, strong work ethic. You have to be a generalist, be pretty much good at everything. Yeah. Uh, specifically, you have to have a few key things like a little bit of charisma to build a small team. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, as a company scales up, that individual uh, is not, it'd be very rare for that individual to also be the architect of someone that's going to take it to stability and right. professionalism. And so my ability to get out of the way in each phase, I think has helped us grow. That's um, good. That's really good. You know, starting with, you'd say sales, yeah. right? So most founders think that they're God's gift to the sales process. <laughs> right. And nobody can do it as good right, as they can. And, and then even if you believe that you're always going to be outperformed by a team of people following yeah. the process. And then what I found and what you typically would find is, you have people that are strictly focused on a specific task, right. they end up getting really good at it. And there are also personality types that are 
not good at founding companies, but they're going to be better at you at a specific thing. Right. So I think my ability to get out of the way in different components, all the way up to even running the company, right. being the president of the company, I'm not the president of, the, of Paris Painting. Yeah. Uh, we hired someone who's a savant and is as much better than I would ever be. That's good. So I'd say that's number one. And then the second is maybe our organizational ethos of being open-minded okay. and being willing to adapt and evolve. That's good. So we've had a pretty steep <clears throat> growth curve. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that has been, we've never, we've never gotten better at something that we're doing. Right. Um, we've always had to completely reshape or restructure in the next year. Okay. So you're never saying like, here's a model that's good. That's working. Let's just, let's really hone that in and get better. And it's kind of like, here's a model that worked, but that breaks <laughs> at this next tier of complexity. Right. Right. And so now you have to start to architect and think through, uh, what are the roles and what are the communications and the incentives and yep. how's that all work? And our, appetite and tolerance for pain and going through those revolutions year after year has been pretty high. Yeah. I think that has allowed us to scale quickly Okay, as opposed to, I think what's more common is you get to a plateau and you stagnate for a little while yep. until the pain of st- of stagnation right. gets too painful. And, and then they, you have to make that investment and that right. leap up. You guys um, just kept rocking It's just a way it. of life for us. Yeah. We're just a lot more. That's awesome. Uh, so what are you guys on track to do this year? What's, what's the projection for 22? This year, 10 million yep. is a projection for just painting. Awesome. And then it was probably three years ago. Okay. We splintered off all of our repair work. Nice. We ended up buying a little construction company, Haven yeah. Builders. So okay. it's a different name, but the same logo, yeah. uh, which is a different color. And that's on track to do 10 million as well. That's so between awesome. those two home service businesses in the Twin Cities, be about 20, 20 million. million. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, so what are the three, I know you're a big systems guy, right? That's why we could sit here and talk all day. We yeah, won't yeah. bore everybody with how to put systems or how to build spreadsheets yeah. or anything Very like that. Very low view count. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we won't go through that. But, um, you know, I think systems and processes are a very important thing. Yeah. Uh, and so if you you know, if you're a business owner and you don't really have a lot of those systems and processes, right? Think back Mm -hmm. to, you know, early days. Um, what are the three most important systems you think that business owners should have in their company? Like where would, where should they start if they have none? I think, so there's a lot of systems. I'm going to kind of talk about some like foundational systems that you would build a lot of different things off of. So one would be the concept of reporting. Okay. Right. So reporting is having real time information presented to you, surface to you, so you can make um, intelligent decisions. Yes. Right. And so when you say that reporting is an important system to have, that inherently is going to mean you can need a lot of things like the yeah. ability to job cost right. or do a metric based bid so you can set goals with your team and know their productivity rates. Um, but I'd say reporting foundationally is a, it's like you can't run a business without it. Right. You're running blind <clears throat> and you can't make informed decisions yep. that are truly metric based. Yeah. So that's the first one, um, that, w- that I would say is foundational or fundamental. The second would be, Performance management, I would say. So the system of managing people's roles and their okay. performance, right? The antithesis of that would be um, blind hope, right? right? You're going to hire someone who's a rock star, hope they know what they're doing. And hope and, that they're living up to expectations. Yep, and let them run with their expectation of how the role should go. And yep. that they're going to develop and stay on track and not follow the human tendency of, right. you know, veering into entropy, yep. right? And just chaos. So having a rhythm, a system of how you manage roles and how you manage people's performance okay. would be the second one. Um, the last one would be something that, you know, it's good to start early on, but as you scale, it gets more and more important. Yeah. And that's a rhythm of culture, okay. culture engrainment. And so what are the, you know, the rhythms on an individual level, on a functional level, and then on an organizational yeah. level to make sure that the team is rowing in the right direction, That's that good. they have aligned incentives and comp plans, yep. and that they're really 
ingrained with the culture of your organization. Right? That, Human nature is to go into entropy, go into your own little spinoffs and spinoffs, yep. and and how do you keep alignment? Those would be that'd be the third. System. I like that. I like that. I like the the word alignment, right? Because yeah. a lot of people, as they grow, they add another role here, and then they do this, yeah. and then all of a sudden you get to a spot where you realize you're like we've got all these different things going on and half of it conflicts. Yeah. The pay doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, you know, and you kind of have to take in, and like you said, break the model down and yeah. rebuild it. Uh, because at some point you can't just keep adding pieces, creating roles and, and adding systems together. You know, I see that even on like the, the software side of businesses, right? Mm -hmm. It's like all of a sudden somebody has four different services that, all of them overlap and kind of do the same thing. And yeah. it's like, well, they're like, well, we, we had this and then we added this. And then all of a sudden we added this for this reason. And then it's like, let's simplify this a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of like that, that paradigm of you're adding things yeah. versus recreating something. Exactly. And it is painful to have that, that revolution yeah. of the wheel where you have to completely turn over and recreate something. Cause in some ways it's a step backwards, Yeah. but you have to reset that foundation to take the next three steps forward. Otherwise you're like, Pod, you know, hodgepodging things together and it's like eventually you're incrementally it's better teeter over yeah, and then eventually it teeters over yep. and so that's like a paradigm shift of how do you approach growth in some ways now that's that's a good point you know and i think one other thing you said on the, on the reporting side of it i like that you just said reporting and like encompassed all of that right yeah. uh, because job costing metric-based bidding having the goal system for your employees like all three of those things go hand in hand right mm -hmm. you know we do talk a lot about job costing and, and having an estimating system and stuff but I, I think it's important to see how all those things tie in together with each other, right? Yeah. And it's almost like an all or nothing approach. You know, some people are like, well, I'm just going to do job costing. And I'm like, well, that's cute. Yeah. But like, it's going to take you a long time to really get where you want to go, right? Like yeah. you kind of have to go all in on all three of those aspects. Um, and it's amazing, like how how far companies can make it with having no reporting. It is, yeah. And it's, it's impressive. Like It's like there's a combination of things. One is, you know, how much martyrdom can yeah. the founder go through? And the other is like, uh, you call it RNG, random number generation. Right. You know, how, how how well does that work in their favor? Yeah. Right. Oh, looks like I hired someone that is going to perform well and <laughs> got lucky. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fantastic. I bid this house at forty seven hundred bucks. Yeah. It looks like we made money this month. But to do that at scale and to have an organization that's stable, right? Yep. You can't rely on those things, and that's right. that's like the pain of yeah. building something that's a stable asset. Right. It's just a lot more work. That's good. And uh, but the reward is worth it. Yeah. For sure. No, that's really good. And, you know, I know you're you're a very numbers-driven person, and mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And one question that, that we get from clients is, like, how do we walk that balance, right, between, yeah. like, numbers and data, because yeah. numbers don't lie, yeah. but also, like, people are humans and have feelings and emotions, yeah. right? Like, so yeah. how do you recommend people kind of walk that balance? So, it's a, so there's a saying, like, uh, figures lie and liars figure, yeah. right? So you can I massage the data to say whatever you want to, yep. and you do have to have... That's why, you know, executives and CEOs get paid so much money is, you know, if it was just an algorithm, the computer thing, you wouldn't be making these judgment decisions and exactly. have those relational components and all that information. Um, you know, the cynical answer is everybody is just a number, yeah. right? But you would never say that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is, there's just an acknowledgement of in, in, in America, in, in capitalism, there are executives and CEOs who get paid a lot of money to yeah. make those intuitive decisions that happens with the data, right? Right, because you can massage it and say whatever you really want to say, but someone has to ultimately be the decider. Yeah, now that's good. Well, and I think a lot of people, they have a good gut, 
on yeah. things. And that's why I think a lot of companies yeah. and a lot of owners make it to a certain extent without having the system and the data and the reporting in place. Yeah. It's because they have a good gut feeling, right? Somebody can walk in and be like, yeah, this painting project's $4,800. And they're probably, they might be within 5%, right? Especially yeah. someone's been doing it for 10, 20 years. They just have that good gut instinct, but eventually it gets to a point where that's not sustainable, right? Especially when you're talking about scaling and growth and you want to hire an estimator. Yeah. It's kind of like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. No. It's just there are incompatible ways. Yeah. Right. And so you can have a really efficient company uh, that's a great lifestyle business yeah. that just spits off a lot of cash at one of those sweet spots. Yep. Um, no one's poo pooing that. No. It's like an amazing thing. However, the way that you inherently run that business, if you want to be the most efficient and effective, yeah. is incompatible with stability and scale. Yes. And so it's not like a right or wrong thing, but right. it is like that's a good point. It is like that is incompatible if you want to achieve yep. like passivity in right. your in your business. Yeah, no, I mean if if you're happy working in your business every day and getting it to a point where you've got it at, then great. Like so, don't yeah. don't change what's not broke, right? But if you have the goals and the dreams to grow and to yeah. scale and like you said, make it more sustainable, then you do have to start to adapt into other systems. Yeah. So that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, you know, so you you and Nick gave a talk at the PCA Expo. Um, mm -hmm. and you guys threw some st statistics out there, right? Um, yeah. Being numbers people, I would expect yeah. Nick's that. Nick's a big number guy. Yeah. He is, he is. He's so great. And I, I just like him. Um, I like you too, Jason. Uh, so a couple of things I wanted to share with, with people listening to this. So you said the average painting company has one and a half employees. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. The one I want to hit on for a second, though, is an average painting company lasts 1.674 years. I don't know how you get 0.674 mm -hmm. in there. It's through division. Yeah, well, I'll, that would make a lot of sense. Thank you for yeah. clearing that up. Um, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think the average painting company only yeah. makes it about a year and a half? Yeah, so it's kind of like what causes people to die. Right. Uh, a lot of times it's a lack of blood flow. Oh, right? okay. The blood stops. I was going to say fast food. But... Yep. And so uh, what, what kills a business is a lack of cash flow. Yeah. Right. The that's cash good. is the blood of the business. So that's when cash flow catches up with somebody. Yeah. Right. It's like it's a combination of things. It's they just figured out what taxes are and starting <laughs> to catch up with <laughs> that's them. That's good. Right. Because most people are just bidding and they're right. thinking, oh, I made twenty dollars an hour painting. If yeah. I charge thirty dollars an hour, I'm gonna then make I'm more covered. money. Yeah. And uh but now then I'll leave on what taxes are. Yeah. And that's catching up with them and then they are getting stressed out. So that's good. That's number one. The second is like there is just the random number generation of life. And if you are a small entity without much scale or stability, you have one or two projects either go wonky or the client goes AWOL. Right. So then you have a cash flow crunch. And if you haven't put in the the systems and the processes to handle that, yep. you know, your cash flow is gonna kill you. That's good. So point. that's why companies ultimately go out of business, I believe, is it's ultimately cash flow. Yeah. It's kinda like you now what causes the cash flow crunch is that the founder gives up. Right. It could be a hundred stressed things, out. Right? Right? Yep. It's kinda like this fast food is fast food is what causes the, the heart to stop beating. That's yeah. good. Well, and I think, you know, some of that can go into they run out of cash flow mm -hmm. and they have that pivotal moment, right? And chances are they run out of cash flow. They're already working probably 60 to 80 hours a yeah. week, right? Because they don't have the systems and, and the other stuff in place. And so it becomes that point of, it's not necessarily like they couldn't figure out how to bring more money in, but they felt so stuck that they said, you know what? It really wasn't that bad working for XYZ Painting Company, right? That would be an adaptive way to review it. It's typically yeah. maladaptive. So it's yeah. usually externalizing and saying like, uh, all my employees were crooks. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> all, obviously, all right. This homeowner screwed me. Yeah. And like, they're not, typically people are not owning and being like, oh. This was my responsibility. I'm not, I'm not a business owner. I'm an employee and, yeah. and I would be much better served, you know, as being a high performing employee. Yeah. It's usually they get, 
Yep. Typically, people get no, they, they externalize and start pl- doing the blame. They game. always do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you've read it, the book E Myth by Michael Gerber. Yep. I know we've talked yeah. about it a lot on here, yeah. and I mean that's it's such a true thing: the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And and just thinking through that lens. Um, the other stat you guys shared <clears throat> was the average owner's take home pay for the business owner forty three thousand dollars a year. Yeah, which equates not- out to twenty one dollars and fifty cents an hour. You can almost make that if, at McDonald's now. Yeah, if you're working a reasonable right amount of time. And that's the hard part is like most business owners don't turn it off yeah. at night or the weekend. So that's the like the sad part about this industry is that it's a double-edged sword of having low barrier to entry. Right. Uh, the positive is that it's an amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right? Right. It's like, no, you don't need an MBA. Right. Uh, you don't need to get seed capital and have someone believe in you. Yeah. You truly can be self-made through the vehicle of painting entrepreneurship. Right. The negative side of that is, you know, you can really martyr yourself and, and build shackles in your yes. life for yourself. And so that's the hard part. You know, the saying is there's many business owners that have no business owning a business right. in painting. And uh, that's just the, it's that e-myth yep. concept of, hey, I'm a great painter. Um, I go start a business. I'm going to be inherently just better off if I start my own business. Uh, that can be true, but it's more often not because those are sometimes incompatible right. skill sets. Yep. No, that's a good point. That's, you know, that's really where we try to come in and help people and partner with them and give them that business insight, right? Um, Is just to, you know, understand, hey, you're really great at what you do. I'm not even saying that you have to like, you know, some people obviously want to be molded into more of the business owner. Some people are like, no, I want to be a business owner but I want to stay working in yeah. the production set. And I'm yeah. like, hey, that's great. You just have to outsource your accounting and admin, you know, yeah. like, so we just have to get the right systems in place. Um, yeah. And like you said earlier, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, you got to figure out what works for you. Yeah. You got to know and be truthful with yourself where your strengths and weaknesses are mm-hmm. and surround yourself with people to fulfill those areas that you're not good at, you don't enjoy, mm-hmm. um, and that you can make more money painting and pay somebody to do the other things. Yeah. So. Um, no, I think that's that's really good. Uh, so, Jason, tell us a little bit about Olive Holdings and what it is that you guys do, why you do it. I think it's a very intriguing thing that you have in addition to your companies. Yeah. So, fundamentally, Olive Holdings is private equity okay. that is active in the investments that it makes. Okay. And so, this was something that started on a whiteboard four years ago. I love it. Uh, formed into an legal LLC three years ago. Okay. And was really kind of the, the vehicle or the, the structure of how Paris Painting and Haven Builders, the other gotcha. company, uh, have scaled. Nice. And so um, what we do is we are private equity that makes investments mm. in painting companies. Gotcha. And we become partners with them to okay. help scale and stabilize their business. Nice. So there's probably, there's like tiers of how people want support. Yeah. Right. A lot of people, they need a coach. Right. And it's like, hey, I want, I want, tell me how to do it. Give me some support. So give me some guidance. Yeah. And that is a phenomenal resource for the industry. Right. There's uh, the franchise model where it's yep. like, hey, I'd like to buy into these systems and processes and and then I'll run with them. Yeah. And uh, that's a model that exists gotcha. out in the market. Yep. Uh, partnership is how a lot of companies achieve stability in the economy overall, right? Right. Very, very few people are taking a company from foundation to passive equity yeah. um, as a one-man shop, right? Everybody has stock options for key executives and all those things. So, that's kind of us in a nutshell is yeah. we come in and partner with the with a company that we think is a good investment to make. Right. And we'll help it become stable. Uh, and scalable. At scale. 
That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, it, it definitely, when I, I heard what you guys were doing, it kind of took me back to the college yeah. days, right? You know, because yeah. that was kind of the models that we had without the investment side of it, but we were investing in the interns and everybody we yeah. oversaw, right? So, um, no, I, I think it's super cool. I think it's awesome that you guys are able to do that. You know, I, I, I love watching like The Profit on CNBC with Marcus yeah. Lamonis. He does that with a lot yep. of businesses. Shark Tank, you know, it's, it's cool that you guys are able to go and invest. I hope in it that. becomes more common in the industry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm hoping that we aren't the only ones that do it because. Right. One of the hardest challenges we see in attracting really good talent into painting yeah. is there's no liquidity or no real value to the equity. Yeah. Right? It's such an illiquid market, it such is. an illiquid asset to yeah. hold. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Most, there are plenty of examples of industries that have gone through their renaissance. Yeah. Where things will, you know, they have pretty good liquidity and trading ability. But um, I mean, even some of the other trades have started to, to see that and yeah. achieve that. But <clears throat> painting hasn't, and, and yeah. it'd be pretty fun to be a part of That's making awesome. that real. That's super cool. And I think there's definitely a lot of benefits in it. Like you said, there's a, a lot of opportunity with it. It's very yeah. scalable. It's very profitable. And, and I think that is one hard thing. You know, you, if you build up, say, a, a lawn care business, right? Do you guys cut grass in Minnesota? Is it just snow year <laughs> just round? Snow, just um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you, what you guys have up there. But, you know, like if you build up like a lawn care business, yeah. you, you build a book of business, right? Yeah. You know, it's like an insurance business. It's repeat customers. It's, you know, you're going back to the same accounts every year. Um, it's easy to sell that because there's a really yeah. good, like, Hey, here's the future revenue, right? It's, you you're build, not selling a job. Exactly. Right. right? You're selling an you're ongoing selling, repeatable service, yeah. you know? And so I Passive think and stable income yes. is like very, very valuable. Yeah. Not many people. I mean, one-time payouts are nice. Right. Passive stable income is what, and for, for a lot of people, it's what yeah. makes the world go, go around. It is. It is. So, yeah, I think it makes the painting company very tough when it comes to that, right? Yep. Because it's you can only do so much painting at somebody's house. It's a great way for an entrepreneur to be rewarded as well. Yep. I talked about kind of the way that um, America and capitalism values entrepreneurs when they are able to produce something that has real equity. Yes. Right? Otherwise, you're producing a very nice job for yourself. It's kind of like the, the analysis of if you saved $100,000 a year, or your paycheck, right? You did that for 20 years, hundred thousand. That, that's two million bucks, right? That you've stashed away and, and squirreled away. Another way to achieve that is you could grow a painting company. It's not a very big one if it's trading at three right. x multiple of profit and it has some stability to it for two million dollars, right? Like those are those are two options in how to do that. Yep. And then there are ways to structure the tax consequences because uh, that'd be a, a co common follow up as well. Yeah. I'd recommend not doing it in the worst way. Right. That, that's yeah. the way people be, be block in their mind is like, it. oh, I'd like to do it the worst way yeah. and that, that would scare me away. So yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So what's one of the most exciting things coming up um, that you guys are either working on now or yeah. coming up in the future that you're able to share um, here with the PCA? So I think the biggest thing right now, this is in 2022 is the yeah. events. And so we that's went good. through two years that it was kind of a no event landscape yep. in, in the, in, in the U S and the world. And uh, what we've got on the calendar now is, I think, going to do awesome things for the association and the industry. That's I think good. that isolation and just getting people to meet each other and network and get some visibility on the resources that the PCA holds, yep. I think that's probably the most exciting thing for me, sitting in my seat. Good. Um, one of the things I'm most passionate about is the re-energized focused on business professionalization. Yeah. And so you were a part of the business yep. accelerator series that yeah. we'll be launching. And uh, I think that's a great thing for the association to start to focus on is- Agreed you know, keep serving all the other needs that our members have, right. but also start to be a little more proactive in how we provide uh, programs and resources and, and 
and partners that will help them professionalize their yep. their company. Yep. I think it's coming. I think what you and Nick are working on has been a great thing. I think it's, yeah. you, you know, we're starting to see the tide start to turn a little bit. I know it's a very long-term yeah. vision and mission. Don't it's, get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but just in the, you know, five years I've been full-time focused in here working with the painting industry and what we do, um, I'm starting to see that shift, right? Oh, There's are. a lot of people coming out of the weeds. It's like, oh, hey, you know, I, I want to get plugged into this. Hey, what's the PCA? Hey, you know, how much does it cost to work with you guys? Like, we need a coach. Like, we need somebody to help us. Um, and so I think things are starting to turn and people are starting to see that there's a lot more business opportunity here in the industry. Yeah, I, I feel it. I yeah. see it. I am waiting for the data from Sherwin Williams to show me that there's an aggregation yep. of uh, of the of the size of companies. Yep. We're still seeing extreme fragmentation. Right. Um, but yeah, I think every event I go to, every time that we travel around, it's like, oh, these people are like, this was not the quality of humanity that was running paying companies yes. five years ago. Yeah. This is like getting Much really different. professional, really, really, and, and not that there's anything wrong with no. being a technician, but it's just the business business savvy yep. level savviness level yeah. of painting that's is like it it's 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 visibly scaling up yep nope and i think it's a, lot, a big testament to what you guys have been working on and all that stuff so yeah. as somebody that works with the industry i appreciate the yeah. mission and the vision you guys are laying out for it so um, so what's one final piece of advice you would like to leave small business owners with um, the one i go to you know more often than not is what you're doing is hard yeah. And I think that's a great thing for people to hear when they start out. Um, the PCA, you know, coaching groups like yours, yeah. like the more you can get out of isolation is helpful, but it is a pretty lonely occupation typically. Yeah. And I think one of the hardest things is feeling like, oh, I'm failing, especially now with social media. Right. Oh, I'm failing because this guy's crushing it and yeah. this is hard. And I think my advice to new painting entrepreneurs would be, what you're doing is hard and that's okay. Yeah. And if you feel like it's hard, that's normal. And uh, to reach out and connect with people and get some perspective. That's good. That's really good. I think I think it is easy to feel alone and it's yeah. easy, like you said, the comparison game, right? Even being mm -hmm. in Sherwin-Williams and it's like, oh, so-and-so's got 10 employees. Oh my gosh, like I'm terrible yeah. at this, right? It's like, yeah, go look at their financials. They're usually lying. Yeah, exactly. That too, <laughs> that too. The hard part is when they realize you can do math and you yeah. start to corner them. Yeah, you're like, wait a second. Uh, no, that doesn't add up. Oh, you, uh, you have this many employees and how many estimates are you doing? Right, and yeah. Suddenly the exactly. numbers don't line up. Yeah, no, that's a good point though. It is hard. It is, you know, I would say business in theory is easy running it is a whole different ball yep. game, right? Um, and so you're not alone. There's a lot of resources. There's a lot of great collaboration, um, you know, and I know we're going to talk with you and Nick both about the collaboration piece with the PCA yeah. and just how your guys' friendship came to be. So yeah. um, so I appreciate you taking time to come on here, chat a little bit about this. And again, appreciate all you're doing for the PCA. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.